next episode of the Full 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 Podcast. My man, the councilman, Isaiah Thomas. What's good with you, Zeke? What's good? Excited to be on the inaugural episode, ready to talk some sports, as you know we love to do. I mean, so uh, Full 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 Podcast is called the Full 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 Podcast. Um, because for those of you who don't know, back in 1983, the Sixers had uh, a absolutely amazing NBA Finals run in which one Moses Malone uh, uh, was coined the phrase of saying that the Sixers were going to go faux, faux, and faux. Back then the series was, uh, well, the NBA playoffs was only three series, um, and he predicted that uh, they were going to sweep them, go four games, four games, and four games. Uh, they, uh, they ended up not doing that because in the second round, I think it was, they lost one game to the Bucks. The Bucks with Sidney Moncrief, Marcus Johnson, and however. But anyway, that's the namesake of our uh, little podcast we got here, Philly Sports Podcast. Heavy Sixers talk, heavy Eagles talk, NBA, NFL, and any other, uh, any other um, news clippings or pop culture that happens to sneak into the sports atmosphere. And I mean, how you feeling today, Zeke? I'm feeling uh, optimistic. Yeah. You know, uh, Philly's on the seesaw right now, but, you know, um, <laughs> exciting to watch. We got Charlie Manuel back. Shout out to Charlie Manuel. Charlie Charlie Manuel. Yeah, you know we we have a a Eagles team that has a lot of talent, and of course um, a Sixers team that I anticipate. And you know I have my bias that I must throw out there because I'm a diehard Sixers fan, but I I anticipate having a memorable season next year. Let's dive in right. We can dive right into the Sixers then, man. Football. We'll save football for last since that's coming up. Okay. Yeah, we'll be talking a lot of football. I'm assuming. Over the next yeah, over the next episodes. couple weeks, yeah. You know, I look wait, forward yeah. to talking sports on the show. Absolutely, um, so, so absolutely. But. Sixers, man, how you feeling? So let's. Where's your Where's your optimism stemming from, man? Where's I mean, so from? first of all, I do like the free agent moves and the off season moves. I think that we got much better defensively, and I think that's important in today's game because the way the game is trending, it is becoming a game that is a lot of three in wings, mm-hmm. right, and, and athletes and things of that capacity, but. That is the way that regular season basketball is trending. And what we are watching is that playoff basketball is totally different than regular season basketball. So, you know, while it is important to have, like, a good record and things of that capacity, while it is important to make sure that we put ourselves in a position to have the highest seed we possibly can when it comes to making the playoffs, you know, it's also important that we put ourselves in a position to be able to compete on a high level once we actually get into the playoffs. And I think that's what our offseason moves did is it probably – it made us be- a better playoff team anticipating, um, first and foremost, uh, Joel B, who I think is the most important piece to the team. Jojo. Um, you know, takes the moment serious. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I think uh, – he takes the moment serious. <clears throat> I, think the, I think the moments leading up to the moment – he has to take more serious. The so to me, the moment the, is the entire season. Got you. You know, so this moment, this season right here, you know, he might not never get this shot. Again, you just never know. You never know what injuries might happen. You never know what Absolutely. trades might happen. Absolutely. You know, things in the NBA are happening fast, especially nowadays. So, you know, this moment, I feel like when you look at the East, you know, it's it's vulnerable. Hell yeah. It's vulnerable Hell right yeah. now. So, um, you know, first and foremost, Joel, Joel taking – taking advantage of the moment, recognizing the seriousness of the moment and the season. And, you know, every time he's not playing, every time he's off, you know, those moments are just as important as those big free throws in the fourth quarter when you're talking about him. Right. 
Next is, of course, Ben Simmons. And I think, um, you know, I'm in agreement with most folks. It's time to take jump shots. Yeah. He has to. It's just it's just a part of basketball, you know. you Have you been seeing the offseason uh, clips? I mean, they mean nothing. I know. You know, I know. they, they I know. mean nothing. I, know. I, I, think, know. I think those clips just put more pressure on him to take jump shots. Right. So, I guess he's ready to take jump shots. That's right. why he's putting that out there. Um, but I think that's important. It, it shows, like, a certain level of – growth and development that just has to happen. I mean, we're talking about taking jump shots here. So, like, you know, I'm a big Ben Simmons fan. We're not, even, we're not even to the point of making jump shots. No, we're just no. talking about taking jump Absolutely. shots. Physically taking the jump shots. Absolutely. Which is like, you know, a, a conversation you never thought you had about a person who has, like, the type of superstar potential that he has. Right. Keyword potential. Right. Superstar potential. Right. Uh, that he has. And then, I mean, after that, of course, is, to me, after that is uh, no doubt Brett Brown. Who uh, I believe yeah, is on the hot seat. Thank uh, you, thank sure. you, and that's yeah. definitely on. That's definitely my next question or a big question that I have. I'm I'm always uh, uh, accused of being hard on Brett Brown on, and I just I just I just see basketball. I see basketball. I feel basketball, and a lot of that stuff that he do is analytics. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, for one, the subs. I don't like. I don't like choreographed subs. I like I'm more of a game feel. I like choreographed subs subs in the regular season. Because I, I, I think most of the time in the regular season, especially the first three quarters, fourth quarter you gotta kind of go right. by who playing the best. But I like it. I like it in the regular season because it assures that you don't coach off of emotion and you make sure people's minutes are managed the right way. So for the first three three and a half quarters in the regular season, I do think it's good for the long term. You know what I mean? Because you get emotional, you get caught in the game. A guy get on fire, you want to leave him in the game. And right. if you going to stick to that. So I, I that part I kind of like. But I, I think the issue that he runs into is I think he just has a bad feel sometimes yeah. when them subs actually do matter. Because <laughs> everything you're so used to everything being like choreographed. I don't know. Because that's part I'm, of culture, right? It's it just is. to have that natural instinct to know who to put where or what play to call. Like, that's something that you can't really – I mean, analytics could help you, but right. your gut is a little better at and that. That's what I, I don't – and that's – to me, that's what I don't see with Brett Brown. I don't see the gut feeling. I don't see the in the moment, man, maybe if we make a little adjustment right here, we can come out. It's like he lives and dies with whatever he put on the chalkboard before the game. I, yeah, and I, that's see, cool. I be you feeling feel what that. I'm saying. Yeah, that, I like do the agree in game with that. adjustments, yeah, he's not I paying do, attention I do agree to. With that. Well, damn, it we, seemed like it. I don't yeah, know if that's what, I mean? what is going that's, on, that's, but it do that, seem like. Yeah, it. Yeah, that's my problem. It's not enough. I don't see enough of his gut. Him going with his gut feeling. I see him going with whatever the game plan. It's too much of analytics. Like analytics say, it's going like it, the game going to turn this way or it's going to happen this way. And I mean, I, I think we he I think they have to shift away from that now. Yeah. Just yeah. for the simple fact of the personnel, the roster. Right, I mean, if you look at last year, our offense, we were a heavy three-point shooting team. We were probably one of the top three-point shooting teams as far as attempts right. in the league. Right. Um, with the personnel changing the way it has, you know, you go from like a J.J. Redick in your starting lineup to an Al Horford in your starting lineup, which, yeah. you know, of course, they play two different positions. But right. just speaking of, you know, who that next option of score is, right? Like right. last year you had like a, a big three and then you went J.J. Redick. Exactly. This year you kind of have a big three and – now you're going Tobias Harris. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Al Horford. I'm right. sorry, because I consider Tobias Harris the third. third, third yeah. Based on the money yeah. they paid him, he got to be the third. So the, then, output, the output better know. say big three. I know so, that. So, yeah, and that's not, what I'm saying. So you I'm go not, from Al Horford. I mean, you go from J.J. Redick as your fourth option right. to Al Horford as your fourth option, which clearly is showing that you have to do something different on offense than what to. you did. You absolutely have year. to. Not only offense, but I think defensively, too. 
I mean, I think um, you're better defensively. Absolutely, now. absolutely, uh, for sure. I don't absolutely. think there's no question about that. I think because you got uh, what you call them um, uh, took it to us, uh, Toronto, Toronto. Not even Toronto as much as uh, and uh, Kawhi. Just at times when he was just walk, they would just get bucket, go to the lane, getting buckets. Um, JoJo getting in foul trouble early. I think Horford takes a lot of pressure off of JoJo, and uh, 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 um, just just being as my dad used to say in the paratroopers club, just being the only one down there, the only threat in the paint, getting in foul trouble, attempting uh, all the uh, going after every uh, uh, shot block attempt yeah. when you don't have to. Horford kind of makes people think twice about those shots. You ain't just going in there with reckless abandon with two jokers in there yep. that's seven foot. You know yep. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, so, Especially with the quality perimeter defenders that you have too. Absolutely. It's a good combination. I, so I'm excited. I think, you know, it, and with the lack of superstars in the East, right, you figure there's no reason for Embiid not to be the best player in the East. Right. You know, uh, um, folks who might disagree with me will probably argue the Greek freak. Either way, I can't. you know, you're not you're not put in a position where you got to overcome a LeBron, right, or or Durant, right. You know, that's not what is in front of you right now, or even a Kawhi, as we seen last year. Kawhi, I guess, put himself in that in that close to it. Close I mean, to I'm not going to say he's I mean, in a LeBron Durant category. Me personally, I know other people are, and they just take it way too far. Man. But in my opinion, one season, no matter how good it is doesn't put you in the category of guys like LeBron and Durant, I feel that. in my opinion. I feel that. You know, you could talk about a Paul Pierce maybe and people in that universe right. or, you know, folks like that, but I don't think it puts you in a LeBron-Durant conversation. But that's what I'm saying. He doesn't really have, you know, those type of hurdles in front of him this season, speaking of Embiid. So if you consider yourself one of the best players in the league, you know, your, your, your ceiling should be the finals. Like, you should right. be saying, I'm going to make it to the finals. And once you get there – well, anything can happen. Right. Depending I, on who you're yeah. playing, what the matchup is. Yeah. I too, I too am optimistic. Um, I was optimistic last year. I've been optimistic about the two young guns since we've gotten them, and since I've seen them uh, play extended minutes. That being uh, JoJo and Ben. Um, I'm, I, I too am. I, I, I guess I'm a little bit. Um, and I don't want to say lenient on Ben, but I look at it different. And you always know I look at, I look at things kind of different. Weird, some would say. But we got a we got a guy in the league who's bombing from forty feet at, at with a with at at, a, at regularity in Steph Curry. You feel what I'm saying? So I always think in my head, who's to say we can't have the opposite end of the spectrum? A guy who don't shoot jump shots at all, but find a way to get to the basket. Like, what if Ben Simmons become that player? And I'm not I'm not asking for an answer. You can definitely chime in, but I'm just saying that's what my mind tells me. I mean I look that at player is called Greek Freak to me. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that Ben, I think I, I I'm not gonna you know, I just I like Ben and I like the yeah. player he's gonna develop. I just think that it's not that I, I when you watch him shoot, he doesn't really shoot a terrible shot to the point where he shouldn't be attempted it at all. I think me. he's supposed to be right-handed, and that's part of the problem. Well, I had I that theory myself, too. I think his moves and every the way he, he finishes, ends up He yeah. finishes around the rim with his right hand a lot instinctively. It's right. times where he can clearly do a left-handed layup, and he goes right often. Right. So. And a lot of his a lot of his moves, his one-on-one -on -one moves, when you pick the ball up, if he were to shoot it with his right hand, I think he would be on better balance or, you know what I mean, to get the ball off rather than that awkward lefty kind of screwball that he shoots. Yeah, I mean, it's too late now at this yeah, point. But I just don't is, think, you know, I, we, we've seen a lot of bad jump shots throughout the course of our time. Absolutely. Watching basketball. His is not, I'm not saying it's great, but it it's ain't, not. It's not the it's worst that I've seen. We've seen, we've seen I, I, you know, you probably could name folks. I can name folks. I listen to the audience can name folks. But think about like Rashid a Bill Brokenburg Cartwright. Rasheed could shoot the ball, but his looked way worse than a lot I of mean, people. I mean, Bill Cartwright is one of right. the ugliest jump shots I've ever seen. Right. Sean Marion. 
has one of the ugliest shots that I've ever seen. So right. you know, it's 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 I, I th there's no reason not to shoot it. You have to shoot it. It's a part of the game. Absolutely. And I do agree with you though. Like we got a guy who can you know get to the rim and finish very well right. with both hands and. You know, when you look at how fast he is, how explosive he is, how young he is, and also the type of defender he is. And right. his will to want to win. I think um, the sky's the limit. I think it starts this season. I think this is an important season for this group and for us. And I think it's imperative that we make it to the finals. Like, we have to. We have to. I'm I'm also, uh, as you said, um, just to piggyback off what you said, I also think that JoJo needs to be the uh, clear-cut, undoubted player in the East. It can't it's, – it's not can't be – but he has to quiet those Greek freak rumblings, um, um, and just be the, the dominant he, force. See, that he he's is. not he's not gonna quiet them because there's always gonna be people who just like that's their guy, right? You know what I'm saying? And Greek freak is going to play at a level where he's going to make it a conversation. But at the end of the day, it needs to be Embiid, right? Because right. the one thing Embiid is is a defensive force that I feel like is a little different than what the Greek freak is. So you know their numbers are going to be what they are. But Embiid, his strength has always been. You know uh, the point difference—the the point difference from when he's on the floor to when he's not on the floor. Right. And his ability just to dominate the paint and make it just tough for the opposing team. So right. he has to be that. That has to be the difference, in my opinion, that makes that separates Embiid from him. But I just—I think it's, it's going—it's nearly impossible because you got them people who just—they Greek guy. People right. have been saying Greek freak the MVP for two seasons now. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I, <laughs> I mean, agree. they've been wanting this. Thing. Yeah, I agree. You know I mean, I like agree. his international yeah, brand yeah. is like pushing basketball. Especially when you a, get a name a like way. the Greek Freak, yeah, it, sound, it almost mean? it sounds cool to say. It yeah. almost, you know what I mean? Yeah, all, all of that comes with it. You know, the game is going national, right? Yeah. And who's a better sell, him or a James Harden? You right. know, right. he's a great national, a global, not national, yeah. global. He's a great global. Yeah. And and then number three is kind of in conjunction, and it's um, the role players, the free agents that we did sign. And Brett Brown, and I think that Brett Brown had, he has, he's on, he's on the hot seat, and he has to, I feel like he has to, like we were alluding to earlier, uh, not only the guts and showing us that he knows what how what to do in certain situations, um, um, in these games, but I also think that he has to, he has players, these role players that he has to utilize and shows that he knows how to utilize in certain situations. He has these Mike Scotts of the world. He has these Tobias Harris's of the world. He has these uh, 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 Al Horfords of the world. Um, it's easy and clear cut for us to sit here as we're doing right now and say what we need Ben Simmons to do, who we need Ben Simmons to be, what we need Joel Embiid to do, who we need Joel uh, Simmons to be. But I think it's part of that coaching for him to find how to utilize Al Horford, a guy who's been in here in this league. He's been used this way. He's been used that way. We don't really know how Al Horford works for us. I think that that's something that a coach has to find out. You know what I'm saying? Tobias Harris, yeah, he was here last year, and he did a little half season, um, had some games here. But as we saw in, uh, in the playoffs, he struggled a little. I think it's up to Brett Brown to reach in. He has to bring something out of Tobias Harris and learn how to utilize him. I don't think that those are things that players, uh, even at the NBA level, have to figure out on their own. You feel what I'm saying? I think that that's what makes the Brad Stevens, the Doc Rivers, the uh, 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 who am I missing here? It's a lot I of mean, other based coaches. on the money they paid Tobias, he has to, right? Right. I mean, that's why he's that's one of the many things that puts him on the hot seat, right? Absolutely, he I think to. so. 
I think so, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm like, saying. Tobias I'm, has to be our clear cut yeah, number three score, go to guy at times, which means it's not going to just be come off a curl shooting threes because right. that's not what's best for right. Tobias. He's right. going to need opportunities to post. Right. Right. He's going to need opportunities to curl to that rim. Right. He's going to need opportunities to just go ISO fifteen. Absolutely, feet and out. absolutely, Zeke. And it's because I don't. For one, I'm not talking to you as much. Well, you know, I just moved back to the city or whatever, but. And a lot of times, this conversation that I'm having, I'm trying to have in 140 characters on Twitter with somebody trying right. to explain to them about Brett Brown. And I'm having it with somebody who doesn't have the basketball know-how or resume that I do have. And, and, and it's, it's hard. But this is why I have this platform so that I can explain those things. But Brett Brown has to do that. Yep. It's up to the coach to bring that stuff out of players. That, that has to fit within his game plan. Look at, looking at the guys that I have, what, is, what are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? What can I make his what what's what weaknesses can I make his strengths that'll help us as a team? This is all things that Brett Brown should be doing. It's not just uh calling timeouts and uh uh, uh subs. It's a lot that goes into coaching. I know you know uh uh you just won a state championship on the high school level. And you did you did a lot more than just substituting and calling timeouts, correct? Yeah. And in the rah rah speech. Absolutely. There is an X and O component that comes to this. There is an um uh, a, uh, a motivational component that comes to this, even as an NBA coach coaching millionaires. No, yeah, I agree. There are there are coaches in the NBA historically and currently who have been who have coached millionaires and have gotten the best out of those millionaires. Yep, yeah, I agree. And I think now is Brett Brown's time to show us that you can do that. Yep, yeah, I agree absolutely. And I mean, we you know folks are critical of him. I'm not too critical of him i think he has his good days and his bad days like anybody but you know he was a bounce of a a a shot you know uh that shot Kawhi made you know he's a couple bounces away from possibly making it to 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 that uh to the next round and to the eastern conference finals and who knows from there so yeah but i think it can go either way i think it go it can go you know he can emerge and be the coach that some folks think he could be or you know, he could be fired by the end of the season. Right. And one, I'm, and I'm glad, in hindsight, I'm glad that the Sixers lost to the Raptors the way they lost to the Raptors. Because if they win to the Raptors, it's kind of like fool's gold. Remember I mean, you used to tell us about fool's gold? Yep. And that's and that's what it is. You don't think Brett Brown got to improve if, the, if we win that series. You think Brett Brown does. You know what I mean? Besides it being the yeah, luck of the bounce, I, me personally, I think. Well, we won't even go there. We'll talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah we'll, we got plenty. Of, you mean yeah, we don't yeah, have to? We, we can that. dive and delve in. You know what I mean? We yeah. we'll get into our official preseason episode. But um, um, moving along, uh, uh, let's let's move around the league, man. And let's let's outside of Philly, who are some of the teams? Who are some of the players individually as the league moves from the Big Three era? Uh, so long to the Big uh, the Big Three era. Hello to the dynamic duo. Uh, 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 Unofficially, but that's what it's looking like. All the good teams got a dynamic duo. Yeah, hello I think, to the dynamic um, duo. Who, who's some of the teams? Who are some of the players that uh, that kind of excite you that you got your eye on outside of the, uh, the home team? I think the pressure, first and foremost, I believe on on anybody is, is on Kawhi. Um, I mean, folks to talk about him as if he's the best player in the league. You know, if he's the best player in the league, he should win it again because his team is better. <laughs> no, I'm serious. His team is better this year than what it was last year. But that's so I think the first person that the most pressure is on is him. If he's who, if he is who folks are saying he is, I'm a doubter. I don't believe Kawhi but why? is. 
because is I don't it, believe. Is it because, the, is because, it because I think the sometimes che- is I think, it because the cheers are too loud right now? No, I, yeah, absolutely. I think that's what it is. Exactly. I think the cheers are too loud right now. When when I've I've watched this game for a long time, and I think um you know championships are about greatness, but they're also about the right opportunity at the right time. And when you watch Dude. that uh, first Miami Heat Dwayne Wade championship. It was good one, but part of it was like right opportunity at the right time. Same thing with like that Dallas Mavericks. They earned it. They definitely earned it that year. But you know, right opportunity, right time. Caught LeBron early, um, early in his time, Miami. I mean, I'm sorry. The but, last, the last five years, Steve Kerr has been saying this is one of the reasons why I respect Golden State. Because I think they the first one though, their first one is like yeah. a right opportunity, right time one. But this, but the thing that Steve Kerr said, he said it about three years when they kept asking him. You know, you get in those, uh, uh, the, the press ask you, man, you didn't won three of them now. Uh, how do you do it? They, 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 it's, it's looking like he's just orchestrating these seasons to go as the way they go. But Steve Kerr said it, it takes a lot. He said one, it takes. Of course, a good roster. He said, two, it takes a healthy team. Healthy and, is important. And he said, number three, it takes a lot of luck. He is adamant in saying that. It takes, just to pick, just to agree with what you're saying, yeah. it takes a lot of stars aligning each mm-hmm. year for you to win that championship. So, so if man. you're somebody who believes that Kawhi is the best player in the league, which folks are saying, if right. you believe he's one of the greatest small forwards of all time, which folks are saying. Dog, we was at a barbecue last week. They was putting him over Doc Z. So they was, they was getting, yeah. So, so I, see, I, see, I see, I see, I see, I see. Well, see, he has I to see. win. He has to win. If he's this guy that I'm being told he is, he's the one who Kawhi has to win. Kawhi over Doc is sick. Well, Kawhi he has over to, Doc I mean, sick. he has to win. That's So I think he has the most pressure on him. There, I mean, I think the next team stays in the same building, the Lakers. Right. And, I mean, the pressure really is on, first and foremost, they got to stay healthy. But if they do, the pressure is on really Anthony Davis, yeah. right, because you playing with Bron. Right. So, like, it's a lot of pressure that come with playing with Bron because nobody's going to say that he's not good enough right. and he's the problem. Right. And he's not right. why they're right. winning. It is always Kevin Love. Right. Or Chris Bosh. Right. It's never Bron. <laughs> so... You know, that's it's a lot of pressure. Right. And again, you know, if if, if Brian wants to show that he's still, you know, the king, he, he gotta win. He hasn't had a Robin as good as Anthony Davis since who knows when. Right. So, you know, they them, them two, I believe, have, have the most pressure um, when you're talking about duels. You know, after that, I think a lot of pressure's on Golden State. You know, people are pretty much saying that they are a non-factor, which is, you know, if that if that happens. Are people how are people going to look back at your your team and what you did leading up to this point? Is it does it impact the perception of dynasty? Because you know I I've, I'm one who would view the Golden State Warriors team as a dynasty, and and if that is who you really are at your core, when folks make that you know we did this before Kevin Durant got here, then you got pressure to win now too, right? So. You know, in that order, I'll say, you know, pressure number one, Kawhi. Next, Anthony Davis slash Bron. Mentioning Anthony Davis' name first. And then after that, you know, the Warriors with a combination of right, right, right. So they would be, the Warriors would be like 3A. And then 3B, of course, would be the Houston Rockets. 3B. I mean, you got two guys who are MVPs in this league who are in their prime who people have pretty much said you can't win with their style of basketball and they're together now. Right. So it's pressure on them just as much as, you know, 
I believe the Warriors, for sure. It's a, it's a, this is a legacy season, you know. Like someone's legacy is going to be made, and a, and a few more people's is going to be tarnished a little bit. I agree, I agree. I think that Houston shit is going to be. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. But um, the Warriors, I would say, uh, it's definitely pressure on them. I don't know if it's as much pressure as it's been in recent years, but it's definitely pressure on them. LA, it's it's pressure, it's pressure on the whole, it's it's pressure on the whole uh, SoCal. The whole SoCal is under the microscope, and they, like you said, they play in the same building. They direct rivals of each other. They both made the hugest moves, I would say, in the off season. It's, it, I would say, it's no, it's no more pressure in, in in any building than the Staples Center, and that's for both teams uh, alike. I mean, so, they got they got to prove it. You know, yeah, they gotta prove it. Someone, someone's going to win the championship this year, and a lot of people won't. I think, um, I think in the East, our biggest threat is Milwaukee. For sure, absolutely, not Boston. It's not Boston. No, I think, not yet. Uh, I'm not. I'm not surprised if Boston gets it together and shows us some kind of. Uh, what we've seen in the past, they just have that kind of make. I just think they have that kind of makeup of team that Brad Stevens likes to coach. Which I agree with, but young players, but but they don't have the superstar power us, we yeah. do, and, and that's have, the thing. They don't right? have anything can. that can deal with uh, Embiid. We took we took what y'all had dealing with Embiid. Right, he plays for us now, so, so that was a, that was a huge chess move. Absolutely, just for us in Beantown. So. so we can't we can't consider them in the same atmosphere. Yeah, but I don't like I don't I don't like Milwaukee in the series. Against us? Against against anybody formidable. Even if they were to, well, I guess I, we would be the only ones. In the we would have to see what they look like next year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we don't, you know, for them, it's always about personnel and who they put around the Greek freak. And, uh, you know, I think um, I think that they just don't scare anybody. I think when, when you're a team like the Pacers, right, you look at Milwaukee and say, yo, if we do, you know, ABC and stick to our game plan, we could possibly beat them in a seven-game series. When you're a team, like, a team like the Pacers, and you look at the Sixers, it's like, you know, what are we going to do with Embiid? Right. It's just a different question. It starts there. It's not even about if you can beat us. It's the first question is, what are you going to do with Embiid? Right. Then we can start talking basketball. Then we can start talking basketball. Right. But if you ain't got nothing to do with Embiid, it's not it's even no, a conversation. There's no conversation. There's no conversation. You want to demolish you. Um, couple more things. Uh, Boogie Cousins, I know you've seen that injury. Tragedy. Man. Tragedy, man. Tragedy. I was saying that I think what, what ultimately happened was he suffered the worst possible injury at the worst possible time. He had just turned down that money from uh, New Orleans and then got injured in New Orleans. Then last year was supposed to be mm-hmm. the rehab year. Yep. And he's been chasing that. Like he was, he, like this all happened at the, at the, at the exact moment where he was supposed to be getting this big contract. And I think that's what's ultimately hampering him from getting back to being 100%. He don't feel as though he can sit and let that thing heal. Right. I think I feel, I feel like I was just telling somebody, I was like, it might have been like a month or a month and a half, and I tore my Achilles. And that shit had me, that shit set me down. It's 2019, and we just played softball last week. I just started for like, man, my ankle feel kind of, it was my knees and my back. Like, and how long ago you tore it? 2013, six years right. ago. Right. And I'm just now feeling 100% not thinking about it because they say, yeah, you physically heal, but it's the mental it's the mental part of it too because it just feels funny. Right. But I remember like a month or two after, 
It was a Nike commercial out. He was already in the gym. Remember, he was trying to and he hit the ball. I'm like, damn, it's kind of early. Like, he, you know what I mean? And I'm right. like, damn. It, it just makes you think about these athletes and the positions that they be put in. Um, um, they just like you or I. Yeah, he just, was, he, his situation was unfortunate. It was bad timing. I remember when he got hurt uh, with New Orleans when it all started, which put him in a position where he didn't get many offers. And right. then with Golden State gets hurt a couple times there. Signs with the Lakers gets hurt, hurt again. Um, you know, but he had some rough days in Sacramento and leading up to that. Yeah. And, you know, Vladi Divac didn't have the nicest words to say about him as he left Sacramento. Right. So, you know, you just kind of wonder, you know, how these yeah. things happen and how they end up working out. But I, I, either way, I feel like it's a tragedy. I wouldn't wish that on nobody. Uh, it puts the Lakers in a position where they have to move in a different direction and sign somebody else, but I still think the same amount of pressure is on them. For sure. Absolutely, absolutely. For I don't sure. think that Boogie... I don't think that adding Boogie raised or lowered. I don't think right. that. I don't think that. You know what I mean? It, because of the because of the the predicament that we're talking about that he was in, he's injured. I don't think he's really. You ain't looking at him like twenty eight and twelve Boogie. Or right. I'm not twenty. What I don't understand though is why they don't sign Carmelo. Like Carmelo's style mm, of basketball. You right to the fits. next. You right yeah, to the next. Yeah, because that's he, the he, next. That's the next it, subject. Man. Well, his style of basketball fits LeBron's typical isolation remedy teams. Right, most LeBron teams at some point plays. You know, of course, he wants to get up and down when he can. But at some point, once that ball gets slowed down there in the half court, right. most LeBron teams end up with some type of basic motion right. or a ISO basketball. Right, that's really what you'll see. So, you know, Carmelo fits in with that. He he'll, he'll come off a screen with some basic motion or set of screen. You could post him up eighteen feet out. You know, his last time he played, he averaged what fifteen, sixteen a game. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't understand why the Lakers. Don't sign Carmelo. Um, I don't understand why. Look at some other teams. I mean, the Sixers, I think we should look at them. I don't understand why we, we haven't looked at them. Right. We could use a scorer coming off the bench. I think that is the issue that we have is that we don't have a scorer coming off the bench. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think we should look at him I don't, as, as long as he's not poisoned in the locker room. And I don't know that. And I, I would assume he's not at this point. He doesn't seem like he would even – like, why would that even be an option for him? Like, he could just stay home. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, like, a, it's a lot that makes you wonder – yeah. Um, I mean, I can think of a couple other teams that could probably really benefit from having, like, Carmelo in their rotation. And, right. again, the Sixers is one. The Lakers is one. Miami is another one. Um, you know, they have an opportunity to compete for the playoffs. I mean, you look at, you know, what they have down there. They can use some support. Somebody coming off the bench to yeah. score the ball a little bit. Um, might not be too many teams in the West. But when you're in the East, a guy like that that can come off the bench, it can make the difference. Right. And, you you win in a, a seven game series against somebody, right? Yeah, I, I think, um, and I'm a I'm a mellow guy, man. Mellow was my guy coming out of uh, coming out of Syracuse. Yeah, he just, was. Just watching him over the years, I just always liked Mellow's game, man, and just 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 loved him. And I just think that it's definitely a, a place for Mellow um, in this league. And I don't even think I think it's a no brainer, man. Um, like I said, it leaves you to wonder. Uh, the narratives. I just think. I just think that because sports is, is so heavy, entertainment. Um, and we'll get into the NFL in a little bit too. But I just, I just, the part about it I hate the most is the narrative part, man. It seems like the narrative. It always has to be some kind of narrative surrounding it. Like it just can't be clear cut. Like it just can't be. Well, we just don't want Melo on our team. It always has to be. Well, it was this, and then this was said, and then it was that, and then it was yeah. like all like we like it's like. It's it's a, it's a, it's a grown man's league. Like we can't act like grown men all around on and off the court. And I mean in the in the and I mean uh, in the front office guys. 
like these suits that we have out here, man. These guys, uh, they hide behind these suits, they hide in these skyboxes, and it seems like so much is always on the player uh, as far as uh, defending himself and, and what have you, but it's always a narrative, and that's just the part of it that I hate the most because this is no, it's a no-brainer whether Carmelo Anthony should and could no be brainer. playing in this league. No-brainer. Like, it's a no-brainer, yo. A no-brainer, but um, that's my take on it. I would like to see Melo suit up. I had a whole, uh, when I first started about doing the 444 podcast last uh, uh, last year, remember my whole diatribe about Melo should be playing for the Hornets when Kimba was there? I remember you telling, saying that, yep. Like, the Hornets were, like, holding, they were, like, uh, fighting in the, like, ninth, eighth spot in the playoffs at the time. Uh, Kimba was putting up ridiculous numbers. He had just gave the Sixers, like, 50, 60 points or something like on that. On like 40 shots. On like 40 shots. And I'm looking at the dudes that was on his team, like the Jeremy. Oh, Mann, you got 15 shots for Melo. Oh, man. 15. It was 25. <laughs> yeah, like it was 15 of Kemba's shots and an additional 10 that them other Jokers didn't even want to take. Like it was Melo shots and, and Melo time in Charlotte. Not to mention, fucking Jordan is the, is, the, is the owner of the team. That's Jordan brand right there. You come home, it's good. Off, off, off the court, on the court for your, you mean, all the way around. So it's like I, it's a no-brainer whether whether or not Carmelo Anthony should be playing in this league or not, man. And um, we'll, we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled on this season two of the Mellow Watch. Um, we'll probably have a Mellow episode again just to you know give give our state our case on why we think Carmelo Anthony should be playing in this league. Like I think people like on some Roy Jones Jr. stuff, y'all must have forgot. Like y'all really must have forgot, man. Uh, uh, what the uh, what Melo does, but um, moving right along, uh, the Rich Paul rule, man, the short-lived Rich Paul rule, uh, as we're recording now because it's no longer in effect. But I know you probably had an opinion about that. How 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 did you feel? I didn't. I mean, I didn't. I honestly didn't have too much of an opinion of it. Um, I respect the fact that a degree is needed to do certain things. I'm not quite sure of the role of an agent, so I'm not quite sure why will folks. Right. All of a sudden, make that rule. Besides, you know, right. the dialogue around you know LeBron's guy, so right. uh, Rich Paul. So I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I didn't really dive into it to the sense to really develop a full opinion. I'm never going to be mad at us asking for credentials in certain spaces, but I'm always going to feel some type of way when people look to discriminate against a certain people. Right. So that I'm never going to be for. Right. So uh, if the intention behind it was truly that, you know, I'm definitely not for that. Never right. will be. But I, I just I didn't understand it. Where did it come from? Why? I don't think, why? And I think that I think that's I why it was short lived. Yeah, I don't think anybody who, who who really wrapped their head around it and think about uh, thought about it. Can understand I mean, it. To, to be an agent is certain level of requirements and certain absolutely certifications absolutely. you have to attain. So I don't know what taking you know four credits of uh, right, this and, and especially in the world of agents, credits to that. It, <laughs> it seems like it's more of a who you know than what you know. Oh, it's kind definitely of more of a who you know, right? And 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 how absolutely, the yeah, and how the um the different industries uh coexist or coincide, so to speak. You know what I mean? How a soda company or a Gatorade company would come to how I I got a guy over here. I got a guy over here. This right. is my guy. Come check out my guy. You know what I mean? Like. We used to watch movies growing up, and everybody had a guy. I feel like the sports agents, the sports agent world is more of that than X's and O's or, or, or you know, black and white as far as papers and contracts being written up. You know what I mean? I would agree. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah. But I do, while we're on the subject of it, I do want to, because um, I don't think it gets talked about enough, at least for me, um, because I know growing up uh, in, the, in the age where uh, sports really got under the microscope, where football, basketball, just the sports that we know and love that we that we grow up playing 
really became popular um and with those sports becoming popular is the people who who played those sports and with the people who played those sports were the was the company that they kept and i always thought it was a, a they always talked about a posse a posse a clique it's these guys they always talked to some of our, our favorite players and the people who they grew up with they used to keep them around and um uh uh Sometimes when you got, sometimes when they got in uh, off off court, off field trouble, or what have you, just something that wasn't basketball, they will always allude to this. Well, it's the posse. Well, it's the company they keeps. I just really want to give a big kudos or a big, um, just recognize what LeBron did, man, because I feel like early early on they tried that with LeBron. Early on, even before he even got to the league with the uh, the Hummer incident, just a couple incidents and things that they that he had uh, the jerseys, knowing people in the Mitchell and Ness, they gave him jerseys and they tried to sit him down in high school and they tried to build that narrative of the company LeBron kept and LeBron one up them man like he sent because if you remember early in his career, Maverick and Rich Paul are and I wish I could uh, bring had bring my YouTube up but Maverick and Rich Paul are in a State Farm commercial when LeBron first. They all sitting out there. LeBron's car gets in an accident. They all sitting out there. It's, Ma it's Rich Paul. It's Rich Paul and Maverick and them. It's like it's LeBron's friends or whatever. He, he sent them the business. I don't know if he sent them. I, I know a plan was made for them to go to business school, for them to learn this game, for them to be who. That, that's not a uh, because I'm LeBron's guy. I really don't like that. Yeah, that's LeBron's guys and whatever, but. I don't like the way that you know, and you know when it's a negative connotation around it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? All those just as if LeBron, because LeBron is LeBron, they just he just waved the wand and they got the jobs that they got. Nah, that was a plan. I remember, I remember it being uh, hearing LeBron talk about it in interviews um, uh, of sending his friends to business school and and building something, building something that was bigger than basketball, building something that was bigger than Akron, building something that was bigger than himself. I always remember him at a young age talking about doing that. And now that we see it come to fruition, I just want to take my hat off to him for sticking to that plan, keeping to that plan. Not only that, but, but showing a, laying a blueprint and example for other people to do the same, that I hope that they're doing the same with the friends that they grew up with, that they're not just going out and partying with these guys, that they're not just going out and spending money with these guys, but that they're actually coming up with formidable business plans. Some other, another person that did that, I've seen on uh, Inside Stuff, was Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett with the uh, OBF uh, or OFB, which was a, a what was it, a official, oh no, OBF, official block fam. Way back in the day was his guys that he I never grew up knew with. That. Yeah, that he grew up with. They had like a, a clothing line. Of course, it wasn't as popular as, you know, clothing lines that of clothes that we wear today or whatever, but he was trying to do that same thing, man. So I just want to give a kudos to guys who are doing things like that, um, putting their friends on, really putting their friends on, and making them millionaires and, and making them people out here, heavy hitters, names out here. In the industry, in the entertainment world, it's uh, crazy, man. I agree with you 100%. I think that's something that we got to give this generation of athletes a lot of credit yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. And then another thing, too, is while I'm on the air, uh, and we're going to keep it moving, too, um, but I want to give a huge shout-out to AI. AI is one of my favorite old heads to see just grow and mature into an old head. Like, you don't hear his name in any kind of BS. You don't hear him doing any kind of... And, and every time I see him, even though granted it's on Instagram and, and things like that, but every time I see AI, he always big up in the youth. He always big up in the people that's older than him, the greats that he learned from. He's like a real bridge. AI's really, I know before it, would look, it looked like it was a lot of responsibility, him just being that guy in the league that everybody was being wanted to be like. But it's like he's really, 
embracing being that bridge between the younger generation of the kids that's out now and the older generation of people that was out before him. I don't know if you've noticed uh, AI being. I mean, you probably know it's a little more than me. I've been a little tied up yeah, lately, yeah, absolutely, but uh, absolutely. I mean, AI is always one of my favorite players of all time. So yeah, yeah. You know I mean, I just speaking to you know because he was one of those guys that got hammered for his posse or the friends or the company that he kept. Right. Um, but just to see him mature. Uh, in his older years, and just to be an elder statesman of the league, and just basketball in general, uh, worldwide, is uh, good to see. But um, I think that's all we got. Only thing, other thing I had for basketball was a lackluster team USA. I don't know if you've been chiming in or looking at it. But, yeah, um, I don't. I seen they they haven't lost a game. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't know why they I, they're not they they don't have the superstar power. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Well, I think it's star enough all stars and all star level talent that it should be no excuse. Do you think the rest of the world is, has has? Well, I know. I mean, nah, that's not even a question. You're playing Tatum. You're playing uh, Kimball Walker. You're playing. Um, Donovan Mitchell, yeah. you're playing uh, Middleton, but we got well, these up, guys are supposed to be all stars. But we got the but like you were saying earlier uh, when we were speaking about the Greek Freak uh, and the NBA's effort to go global and worldwide, you got a lot of these players who play in the NBA who are global players. Yeah, but most of the big time players aren't playing. So it's not it's no it's so, no team who has so the is level world of, basketball is FIBA basketball is the excitement of it is that becoming a thing of the past? I don't I I just think that where we are right. As a NBA, of course, the NBA is always going to be at the top of the food chain, right? And then you know it's always about more the Olympics than than FIBA, right? right. So we're in the off year. Twenty twenty is True. the big year for the Olympics. So True. when you're looking at the importance of this season coming up, you know a lot of these guys can't afford to be right, right, doing anything right, but right. getting ready for the season, right? You know, if you're I Ben Simmons, him. I don't I want Ben Simmons playing in this slot. You kidding me? Him. Australia, who? I don't blame them. Come on, we got to focus on the season. So and if anybody was to ask why, all you got to do is show I mean, them that video of Paul George, man. You know, uh, Donovan Mitchell's young; he could do both. Jason yeah. Tatum, Jalen Brown, it might do something for their confidence. Chris Middleton, same thing. You know, but when you're looking at even maybe even put Kimball Walker in that category, but um, you know, you're looking at superstars, guys like Anthony Davis and you know Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. These guys got to win a championship this year, right? They can't be rolling their ankle. They can't be rolling their ankle. Hey, look, it right. is what it is. Nobody really trying to hear that. Right. Ain't nobody heard it. Wanted to listen to it last year with the Warriors. Right. Four, four, four podcast. We still here, man. That's the basketball preseason, man. Um, when we post this, uh, I'm going to definitely make an uh, Instagram page. Definitely places for y'all um, to chime in, man. To have group discussions to bring some of you guys' ideas and your uh, subjects to the show. Um. But it's definitely going to be heavy basketball, man, as we as we look forward to a heavy basketball season. Um, NFL is upon us. Eagles is upon us, man. Uh, we're one year, one season removed from a Super Bowl championship. Uh, we loaded up, uh, for the most part, in the, in the offseason um, at running back, uh, a couple defensive positions, uh, a defensive line. Um, I'm optimistic. Um I'm not a big X's and O's football guy as I am a uh, basketball guy, but I do have opinions. I do know the game. And I'm looking forward to Eagles football, man. Um, I think we should be winning the NFC East, for one, especially with Zeke holding out. We don't know what Zeke is doing. I mean, um, I don't care if Zeke is there or not. I look, We're the best team in the NFC East, in my opinion. I, I will say that every year, but on paper, it's looking that way. Um on and off paper this year. Uh, our quarterback is here. We have our quarterback, his first full uh, training camp, no injuries. Um, uh, 
I'm just I, as optimistic as you are about the Sixers. I'm very optimistic about the Eagles in the same way, man. Um, yeah, we just had a, we just had a good preseason. I just think game. they're in a tougher conference. Yeah, when you're looking at the teams they face, you know, I think um, I mean I see the Eagles hopefully ten and six, eleven and five. Yeah, yeah. Um, NFC Championship hopefully, right? But it's tough just to say that they're going to beat a tough St. Louis team. Um, going to be pretty good this year. Because um, if you need luck in the NBA playoffs, boy, this. It ain't you don't even get a series in football. Right. You don't even get a series. Not only that, but another thing I don't like about football, the division winner is gets the automatic bid. So the division winner can be sure. nine and seven, and the wild card right. guy could have be eleven wins. Right. And, right. You know right. what I'm saying? So, so winning division is important. But then also look at you know you look. I talked about the Rams, but then also look at what happened to the Saints last year. True. You know they're coming back with a vengeance. Drew right. probably view this as pretty much his last. Opportunity yeah. to go out, so it's not. It's just I think that when you look at the star power in the NFC and what the Eagles will have to go through compared to the star power in the Eastern Conference and what right. the Sixers will have to go right. through, you know, the path to the promised land, you know, I feel like is a little more feasible for the Sixers this season coming up right. than it is for the Eagles. But I do understand the talent level that the Eagles have. It's Big a talent. very, very, Big very talent. talented Big team. Big talent. It's Big time talent. It's just team. that in football, for one, it's a game with injuries built in, so Absolutely. you don't know who is going to hit. Yep. You don't know who's going to hit. You don't know when. I mean, no matter hit. the talent, right? If if something happens to Wentz, you know, right. we're not taking this backup quarterback thing serious. That was me knocking on wood. Yeah, you got to take this backup quarterback thing serious. Yeah. You know, if this is an opportunity to win a Super Bowl, the truth is there's no reason you shouldn't be talking to Kaepernick. No reason. You can't roll the dice. Say. You can't. Well, how can you roll the dice? You right. may not never strike, strike, get the opportunity to strike like this again. You never know. Yeah, I doubt we see that happen. Though, yeah, man, me too. You know, um... But yeah, man, Eagles football is crazy. You got Zeke and Melvin Gordon holding out these running backs. This fo- football in general, man. When, when you when you when you one see your counterparts because you know these guys, all of these guys, these big guys, these big money guys, not even big money guys, but all of these co- these athletes, they're all they're all a part of a fraternity, right? You got you you got you got uh, uh, the NBA. Of course, you have the basketball fraternity. You have the NFL, which is a football fraternity. But then you just have this. We are uh, athletes, period, professional athletes fraternity, you know? So you know they talk, you know they, uh, they fraternize, all of this. I say all this to say, when you're looking at some of your homies, um, some of your friends in this wild, wild NBA free agency that we just had, and you see everybody getting paid, you see people like Al Horford getting paid, you know what I'm saying? And then you flip it over to the NFL, and it's like, damn, damn. Like, you would think the way that we just explained the Eastern Conference and the NFC East, the way that we so so easily um, interchange uh, uh, conversations, debates, arguments in football and basketball, why, when it comes to the money, is that is it not the same case? I, we, I mean, we know why, but it's like, damn, man. Like, I mean, I think the, the, the basic mathematic answer is the number of players. Right. Um, but then when you also look at the salary cap, the salary cap rules in collaboration with the uh, the collection and bargaining agreements, you know one 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 organization clearly has a better players union than the other. Right. You can't argue that at all. At all. Um, especially when you compare the three major sports and the flexibility that's given to two sports compared to one. Right. I mean, look at the position that the Dallas Cowboys are in right now. Right. Right. They literally, you know, can't go over the salary cap. Right. To sign the people that they want to sign. So, you know, it's a it's a um, collective bargaining thing. 
to me, you know, that again, the basic players, the money will never match, right? You're right. talking about 53, 52 players compared to, you know, 15, 18 man roster. So right. that part is one thing. But then again, outside of that, you know, you look at the rules and the guidelines and the collective bargaining side. Yeah, you know, that's that's the primary that's the primary issue. And and that is what would have to change in order to see a change in wages. And that's the politician in me right there. Right. I see him and and I might be going out on the limb and I don't mind going out on the limb. I can go out on this limb on this ledge by myself. But I think that is there is a certain um hierarchy built into football through race. I think as long as you keep calling them black quarterbacks or the black quarterback to this quarterback. Obviously, the quarterback is the class position in football. Without a doubt, unequivocally, the way that this game gets explained. Um, as long as those players are, one, the highest paid as they are, and two, are the color that they are, I don't think you see a change in collective bargaining. Because I think the reason why the collective bargaining and and the reason why it's negotiated the way it's negotiated in the NBA is because the best players are black. The LeBron James, the Chris Pauls, the people of there, they're going to fight tooth and nail. They'll still sit out. They'll, they'll take a lockout. As long as the Tom Brady's and the Drew Breeses of the world are the quarterbacks and are the class of the league and are handsomely paid, I don't think that they go in the, I don't think that they fight for their counterparts like LeBron James fights for his. A lot of that collective bargaining agreement that LeBron and them be doing, it ain't really for them. It's for players maybe a tier below, maybe a tier below it, a low that, make sure everybody's getting paid. A LeBron is going to get paid. A CP3 is going to get paid. A lot of that arguing that they be doing is for, I mean, a lot of the fighting that they be doing is for the other players to make sure that they're taken care of too. Am I correct in saying that? I would agree um, 100%. So, That's what it means to... To do collectively that, collectively. bargain, absolutely. That's what that's by so, definition. Sure. So I would agree a hundred percent with you on that side. I, I don't. I don't know about. I think the players. I don't know if I agree with the players. Would need to change. I think your logic makes sense. I think what needs to change is the ownership right. and the mindset of the ownership. Um, maybe the players can change and force the hand. Right. That is another path. Right. Right to the same same you know um, same end. Right? right. Trying to get to the same goal. But I think that I will go through the pathway of ownership, right. um, which brings the question, do you like the move JC, Jay-Z made? I, I don't, but here's where I stand on the, on the move that Jay-Z made. And I'm very opinionated about this. I've been in heated debates about this. I think that um, the, 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 the waters were, were, were muddled about what cap was actually fighting for. I don't think it's really clear. I think you have a civil rights issue bundled up in a labor dispute. Um, and I don't think that both can coexist. I think you're either fighting for a labor dispute or you're fighting for civil rights. It's not both. You can't do both. You can't do both. So at... I was I would say, and I was upset with Cap when he took because when you take the money, with the money comes the hush, comes the hush, comes the shut your mouth, comes the you can't talk about this. 
comes the not omission of guilt. I, being a uh, one for civil rights, wanted, and I can't ask for this, I wanted Cap to say, F the money, stay broke forever, and fight for the civil rights. Let them text messages and stuff come out so that we can see. A lot of times when us as black people get into these civil rights or what seems to be racial injustices, they, they always wrap it up in some kind of money case too. And you can't fight both. I believe that's why when you get, and I'll just take it into another part, that's why you normally get a criminal case and a civil case. The criminal case really judges right or wrong, and then the civil case judges compensation. I may be, I'm not a lawyer, but I know that a lot of cases, when you look at cases, famous cases that get tried twice, or when they have two trials, that's what it normally is. It's a criminal case to see right or wrong, and then there's a civil case to see who owes what for said right or wrong, however that chops out. When we get these civil rights cases throughout history, it's always bundled up with some kind of, do you want the money or do you want to be right? And you know in the position that we in as black people, we taking the money. We need the money. So I would say that Cap set the precedent for this. Am I, am I riding with the Jay-Z move? No. But I also wasn't riding with Cap taking money and not letting them text messages coming out and fighting that case all the way through. So I think Cap, within taking the money, you set the precedence for other people to take money for this. Uh, hey, Cap kneeled and took money. I'm going to work with the NFL and do the music and take money. Who knows what the next person that, hey, man, under the guise of civil rights with the NFL, I'm working with the NFL for black people uh, on the jerseys. I'm going to make a Black History Month jersey now, and I'm going to get paid for that. Uh, I'm going to make um, this, that, you know what I'm saying? It's all a money grab now to me. That's what it is. Like. So I think... I think two things about it. I, first of all, I think you hit it right on the nose with the Kaepernick situation. I think once Kaepernick settled. Right. That's, that's, that's what the word is. Settled. That's settled. What that's once what he word. settled. Yep. Right. His non-disclosure deal. Right. Right. We don't know what he settled and for. we never will. And we never will. That ended this whole merge between a labor dispute slash legal dispute and a civil rights movement. Yep. You can continue to be the face of a movement in the face of what it means to sacrifice. I have no problem with that. Right. But once you settled and took money, you set a precedent yep. for other yep. people, for, for sure. So I think, I, from what I know what happened, Jay-Z called them. There was a dialogue between right. them i don't know if it went good or not but i mean according to jamel hill and i have the well, article I, I could put that in, whatever I according to, it. yeah well it i didn't. mean but that's a, that's all that's, that's, that's all you, that, but yeah. that's what you're expected to do is to give the courtesy call right and i think after the courtesy call the question then becomes your perception of jay-z's intentions right so if you perceive jay-z to be a a person who has not good intentions, then you're going to perceive this to be a move as uh, being a sellout, which is like almost laughable. Maybe right. I don't know if sellout is the exact word to call a guy who's basically a billionaire. Right. But if you believe he has good intentions, then you're going to think that he's doing it in a way to benefit the greater goods, maybe social justice, maybe black folks, maybe right. artists. Who knows? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Or there's choice C, and that's his intentions don't matter because he working with the NFL, and we know their intentions. 
how black and how much justice can this be within this vehicle? I mean, who knows? We, That's what we, I'm saying. I mean, we might be shocked and see a side of the NFL that we've never seen before. And who knows? It might be all perception stuff with no substance. Right. Or perceptions, perception stuff. Once you do things to change people's perception, do you change how they view and how they think about stuff? Right. So who knows? I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. I think based on Jay-Z's track record, you have to wait to see. Time yeah. tells every story. Right. We'll see if it was a good move or not. And who knows? It could be like when he was running Def Jam. Yeah. How long did that last? Not long at all. So, you know, it could be like that or it can be like any other other adventures that he's been a part of. But I, I do think that the person who, who kind of set the table for it is Kaepernick. Yeah. And, um, you know, if it, it, it is what it is. I, I really yeah. don't think it's worth the conversation that it's getting um, primarily because – you know, when the whole boycott NFL thing was going on, I wasn't really watching that much football anyway. I was running for city council. Right. So there wasn't too much of that. It was basketball and that, and, and, and that was it. So, I, I, you know, that whole, that was that was my real focus right there. Um, I don't know if I'm in the boycott NFL phase of things. I, I don't, you know, do I think Kaepernick should be in the league? I do, based on talent. Yeah. But, again, I don't know what's in a non-disclosure settlement. I, I, I can't say I don't know. So, um, damn, I I ain't never see, and that's yeah. What they might have put? I'm just saying. Knows, I'm just right. I'm just thinking. You just made a light bulb go off my head. They probably could have put, and you never play. If I give you this money, you never playing in the NFL again in the non-disclosure well, settlement. Just, I don't know. Who knows what's in the non-disclosure settlement? That's, so and that's the uh, whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And you know what was done to him was wrong. We know that. We know that. But we got to do something about it so it doesn't happen to the next person. Right. And I think that's kind of where I do agree with Jay Z. You know, and and, and this idea of highlighting um, the issues of gun violence across the board. Right. Now, that's a whole other conversation we won't even get into. That. Yeah. But you get where I'm going. I do get where you're going. I yeah. do get where you're going, man. Um, around the league, man. Uh, what we got going on around the uh, NBA? Uh, oh, before uh, that. Uh, Antonio Brown, I don't know if you've been chiming in. I've been... Um, With the helmet? Yeah, the helmet. Just overall, I guess, just as uh, his shenanigans. Um, I don't know, man. Thoughts? He's on my he's on my fantasy team, so I'm with it. I'm with, I'm with the shits. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I've never been a football guy. I can... I, I just... The one thing I do question about it is why aren't other players complaining about it, too? Right. You know, it's not an adjustment that only you have to make. Right. So, like, you know, for me, if I'm a player, I would try to organize other people who might have a similar issue so I can communicate the fact that this, this isn't an isolated situation. Right. That's what my instincts say. Right. Otherwise, you know, I'm a little shaky with him. Right. Was was Wentz worth the money? Yes. I agree, too. A lot of people, a lot of people. Um, what choice do you just, have? Well, you try to get another, and that's what I'm, and that's what I'm about, and that's that's my, um, that's my, uh, because a lot of people were uh were mad, not to uh, get off subject, it it makes sense, but a lot of people were mad that we didn't sign Jimmy Butler back and gave Ben Simmons the money, but it's like we didn't choose, or they were mad that we didn't sign, we they were making it seem like we chose Tobias over Jimmy Butler, and that's not the case at all. We chose, um, Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. I think Tobias, with his age and where he was at, we were going to keep, we were always going to keep him. I think Jimmy Butler was the question: Do we pay Jimmy Butler now and not have it for Ben later on, or you know what I mean? But it's the same thing. Uh, uh, it's basically what. But basically, what I was saying was, 
the moves that we made in the mid that the Sixers made in the midseason kind of locked us in or not locked us in but gave us it's only a cert, it's only certain things that we could do in this free agency. It was only certain things we were going to do. We weren't in the sweepstakes of players like everybody else was. We kind of jumped in that early, got a look at two of the guys that were in there and had first picks and first dibs at them. Knew we were going to take one of them and had the finagle, and that's how we got Al Horford. That's what I'm thinking. You know what I'm saying? Right. We kind of put ourselves in the position already having Jimmy Butler and Tobias on our team. Um, we we kind of knew where we were going with the team. Um, same thing with the Carson Wentz thing, because a lot of people were saying that we should have signed Nick Foles. And I'm like, no, in what world? Like, in what world? Like, Nick, Nick Foles was the one that won the championship. Nick Foles, oh, wait, oh, oh, oh. Did you forget about the whole season leading up to when Carson Wentz was – like right. clear cut MVP of the league, and then on top of that, just knowing that Nick Foles started the season last season. Nick Foles didn't play any. He started the season and he finished the season. He didn't play all the way through. Why was that? He got the ball yanked from him, and Carson Wentz went in prematurely. So it's like we've been made our decision. Right. I say all that to say we've been and a lot of when we looking at these things. It's fun to be in the free agent conversations. It's fun to think of what if or we should sign this person. But if you're really a Philly sports fan and you've really been paying attention, we've been made our decisions. Absolutely. No question about <laughs> like, yes. And that's what I was saying. I, I said all that to say that. Um, yeah. On both sides. On both sides. On both yeah, sides. It's, 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 that's all I was saying. Yeah. Um, as we just hit the hour mark, uh, just wrapping up, um, any final thoughts uh, this week? Anything you're looking forward to sports-wise? Um, I do want to uh, 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 throw out um, I, uh, 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 ITCW Basketball Camp Week 2 is coming up. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, excited about that. That's yeah. what I was actually going to say. Okay. Um, that And I'm going to watch the USA team too because cool. cool. I'll, I'll be curious to see how they do. But, yeah, camp coming up next week. I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, two weeks this year. We already have 90 children signed up. Uh, we just ordered the uniforms today. Can't wait. It's my favorite time of the year. Favorite so time of the year. It's, it's so dope. And um, just to watch our own young people grow up and to be able to participate and take advantage and their games grow summer by summer. You know, the pitchers are becoming legacy pitchers. So right. it's amazing. It's dope. Right. Uh, we're going to have a great week. Got great speakers coming. Um, we got this new thing this year where we got um, areas of development. You know, so every day when you pick an area of development and every day you spend an hour in that area, 20 minutes in the morning, you know, 20 minutes before lunch and 20 minutes before you leave. And if we can just get the young people to develop that habit, um, it starts with basketball, but then it moves on to maybe coding or reading or mathematics, Absolutely. just to be able to have that discipline, Absolutely. to be able to work on something on a consistent basis and see yourself start off at phase A and end up at phase Z. Yep. That's the goal. Um, yep. And, you know, we always want to use basketball to teach life lessons. Absolutely. And so um, I'm excited. Can't wait. We got, you know, going to have over 100 children, again, giving out book bags and school supplies. Nice. If anybody want to donate, you know, school supplies, things of that capacity, we'll make sure the children get them. I mean, so we out here, man. 444 Podcast, Episode 1. We'll holler at you guys next week with the updates. Uptown Tone here with the councilman signing off.